all right people all right what is going on another good morning good morning to everybody this is the first and frame rate show i am vf baller and um we're going to talk more about these eagles and we're going to talk more about these falcons you know how it goes the off season is already started for uh both college and nfl but it's still a lot to talk about um one, we're going to talk about the Eagles and how some people in the fan base uh, really feel about our fan base in general, because I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter and I want to put my perspective in instead of actually putting it out there on Twitter. So I want to have a quick discussion about that. Also, I want to talk about the Falcons because the Falcons uh, GM, Terry Fontenot, already put it out there saying that they're going to be going after the best player available throughout the draft. And that's very, very interesting. I want to really get into that and uh, give you my thoughts as well. So another episode on deck. Thank you guys for watching and or listening. If you're on the podcast platform, watching, if you're over here on the YouTube platforms, I thank you guys. If you don't mind, go ahead and hit the like button. If you're on YouTube, give me a high rating on the podcast side. If you're listening over there on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor, you know, those are the platforms that are are mostly on. And also whatever podcast avenue that you like to use, give it a high rating and share this show. Let people know in Eagle Nation and the people that are Falcon fans watch uh, that wants to um listen to what i have to say i think it'll be very interesting i really appreciate the support thank you guys thank you very very much um also um it's been uh you know well i won't say also it's been a very interesting 24 hours you know georgia bulldogs just won the national championship and i already told you how i felt about that situation but there's some people within the community or eagle nation kind of feel some kind of uh feel some kind of way about how some fans or quote-unquote fairweather fans are actually giving props or actually rooting or happy that the fact that the dogs won the championship i don't i don't think some of these people really understand the the discord between georgia southern and georgia um if to be honest if georgia southern was one a the entire time instead of one double a it would probably be I can honestly say if, if Georgia Southern was one 1A the entire time throughout this whole 30, 40 years since we came back to uh, prominence, this would probably be the biggest in-state rivalry in, in, in the state of Georgia. It, there's no doubt about it because uh, their first national championship, Georgia won with our def- with their defensive coordinator, which is now um, our was our coach. Eric Russell. So it was a really big deal to have that connection between the two. And um it is it, something that's really uh you know, like I said, there's something that's that's really significant between the two. So with that being said, uh um we always bicker back and forth with the, the Georgia Bulldogs all the way up until now because even since then, since Irk left and came to George Southern and built his own program. We've um, won what I think he won three national titles. Then Tim Stowers won one in 1990, and then you know we you know I I, I think I got that right. It, please forgive me if I'm wrong. I can't I can't I can't count to save my life. And then you know Paul Johnson won two more, so we end up getting six national titles in the one double A um uh era. And Georgia was like in a drought <laughs> ever since Ernt left. So. It's, it's been a, a really big deal for um, 
for Georgia Southern to, to get at Georgia Bulldogs. Now the Georgia Bulldogs has finally won a national title and, you know, the, all the jokes of 1980 is gone. And, and, and like I said, I, I, I told you my thoughts about it. Congrats to them, but I'm not waving the pom-poms at them because even though my time as a football fan, I've been, this thing with Georgia Southern for me runs, you know, long deeper than your average alum because I was a fan before I even attended school. Um, I, I mean, I was a fan when, like I said, when I was in Savannah, Georgia, nine, ten years old, and I witnessed, you know, Georgia Southern beating Nevada in 1990. It was on television. Me and my grandfather watched it. It's one of the greatest moments, and and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but real quick, me and my grandfather was really close as far as watching sports. I mean, we watched that game, watched them win the national title. We turned around, and um, I remember watching the Braves 1995 World Series with him. So it was it was a really big deal for me to watch sports. And so it's one of the things I never forgot. And it's one of the reasons why I became a Georgia Southern fan, because he was happy. I was happy just to watch a team from Georgia, win a national title, just win a championship is a really cool thing. So um, with that being said, I just felt like back then, even though I was a young kid, okay, Georgia Bulldogs, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily know the whole situation with Eric Russell because I was a little bit younger then. Um, but, uh, I always felt that, okay, they're a team from Georgia. They win. It's cool. If not, it's okay. I mean, even when Georgia Tech won it in 1990 as well, I was like, all right, uh, okay. Georgia Tech won. That's cool. You know, I was, I was happy about that. But, um, my main thing is when I realized, and this mostly happened once Georgia Southern actually moved up to FBS, um, I started to see it that there was a lot of guys in the Georgia um, Bulldogs camp, like fan bases, or whatever, would talk down. And it probably would happen before then, but I didn't really notice it or pay attention to it until that happened. Because even when we played them, um, the time we should have won in overtime back in 2015, I was more like, okay, um, I didn't really feel that vibe, that tension like I see now on Twitter. And even before then, we used to play them beforehand, like in the early, you know, mid 2000s, we used to play them. And, um, we, okay, it was just a game. But I really feel that the fact that we were in one double A, which I don't take nothing away from it, um, it kind of curtailed something that could have been a huge rivalry. If Georgia Southern was a ever able to be one, a, you know, I, I think it would have been a really big deal. Like I said, with that connection with Irk Russell, it would have been a really big deal, but um, nevertheless, it wasn't. Um, but I, like I said, I saw a lot of people on the fan bases, like really get going at other people for congratulating Georgia or actually their fans as well of Georgia. They, you know, you got dual fans and, and, and this is the thing. You're not going to change that. You know, your our fan base defining our fan base is basically um based on being likable and winning games. That is the only way that we're gonna get prominence in the FBS nowadays. This is one of the reasons why I was kind of skeptical about continuing running the triple option because I feel like it's a winning formula, but it is not to the level where um we need to be in one the one well FBS football. I felt like we need to get up with the modern times. We need to be winning 10, 11 games in the FBS, just like we did in the FCS and actually start showing people not only that this team is a prominent in, in, in one a on one double a, we are prominent in one a or FBS. So, um, that's the only way. If you want to define our fan base, you're going to know really quick based on how many games we win. I mean, I'm one of the types. I don't care if we go three and nine every year. 
I don't care if we go three and nine for the next 20 years. I'm going to be here still rooting for this team, wearing the, the gear, doing what I do because I'm not a fan because I attended the school or I'm an alum or, or whatever. I've been here like ever since I was a kid. You know, I was a, I mean, you know, like I said, I grew up. And, and the thing is, the sad thing about it is, there's a lot of people that I know that's from Savannah that grew up around the time I did really didn't follow Georgia Southern like that. And, and, and that's another thing that's, uh, this fan base has to understand. And, and this fan base is going to have to, um, realize this fan base is going to be very personal and it's going to be, it, it has to become personal because it had to have an attachment. And like I said, a lot of guys that are alum are going to be somewhat fans, but the name recognition, Georgia Bulldogs is probably like one of the biggest names in all of college football, if if not the biggest. I mean, you may have like Alabama, Ohio State, uh, USC, Penn State, Notre Dame. You may have like five, maybe like five or ten teams that are you know worldwide known in college football, or, or just easily known for people who don't even know college or, or college in general. You know, they're just that recognizable. So. um you're going to have people in the state of Georgia just going to be like uh, Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia Tech. You know, you're going to have people that's going to have those dual or or, 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 or tri fans that's going to be fans of three or four different teams. And I mean, that's just how it is. Like I said, I, I don't have a problem watching Georgia win a title and I don't have a problem with the team per se. I never did. But the problem is, is like I said, the fan base. I mean, you, you... It's one thing to have like a real honest rivalry between the two teams, but it 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 it, it gets to the point where fans are just flat out disrespectful to the point where I I don't want to sit on the same sideline with them rooting for a team. I mean, it's just it's just an awful fan base when it comes to my school, and um that's just the way I deal with it. And it is is nothing against the team per se. It's like I don't have a problem with you know Stetson Bennett and the Kobe Dean or or the the coach or any of that and Mark Richt or you know um. Kirby Smart, I, I don't have a problem with none of them. I think that it's phenomenal for them to build an organization or a program like that. But at the same time, it has to be attractive. And you got to have, and, and, and to bring in more fans, you have to be attractive. And um, I don't know, you know, the growing list of fans, they're like true fans. But one thing I know, if you want to become a fan of a team, the, well, if you want to know how people become fans of teams, like genuinely become fans of teams, you have to understand that they have to, the team has to be likable. They have to create a moment in time that they will remember forever. Like I said, when I watched Georgia Southern beat Nevada in 1990, I mean, I can't remember who all was there. I mean, I, thank God for, you know, Captain Clack. You can watch that game again on YouTube. You know, I'll probably put the link down in the description if you want to watch that game. That was my first experience really understanding Georgia Southern football. And that's the way, that's how I become a, a real fan. You know, okay, it's a local team, basically. I mean, Statesboro is like an hour away from where I live. You know, my grandfather was watching and, and, um, I was just, and it was good to see them win. I mean, I think the last part of that game, they, they, you know, they scored like two touchdowns or something. I mean, they, they, they scored a whole bunch of points in the, in, in the fourth quarter. And I was like, wait, oh, they shut the door in this game. And that's one of the ways that I became a fan. And, and I think with some people, even with Georgia Southern, fans alumni or alum some people watched that game last night and became fans because the state of georgia actually won something because even though that they're georgia southern fans 
or they're, they're, they're part of Georgia Southern, it's good for them to see, okay, Georgia, the state of Georgia won something significant. And they became fans with someone was like closet fans to begin with. I mean, it, it's just really weird. But defining our fan base at the end of the day, I just feel that we need to understand that people who wear, you know, the blue and white, people who put on this gear, it's, it, it's really a closed-knit circuit. A closed-knit circle. It's been that way for decades. I mean, Georgia Southern is known all over the country now because you have people moving it around, but it was at one point where Georgia Southern, even with the national titles that they were winning, it still felt like it was more closed-knit. And it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with that, but now we're we're playing big boy football. And this is one of the things I always talk about. We're playing big boy football now. And when we're playing big boy football, we need to get in order to where we can uh, show that we play big boy football. Shout out to Coach Helton. I'm looking at what he's doing. He has another quarterback coming to to uh, to visit this weekend or, or next weekend. We're going to have like seven quarterbacks on the roster, man. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know, you know, what y'all, I don't know if y'all see what I see, but I see something really special happening at Georgia Southern. If everything continues to go on this path, I know it's still early or whatever the case may be, but if we continue to see this, it's going to be really, really good to see. It's going to be really good to see in the next two, three, four years. Or however long Helton's going to be here. Because my thing is, I feel like even now, if Helton stays for three or two or three years, four years, there's somebody right behind him is going to probably try to carry that torch. You know, that's that's how you keep keep programs the way they are. Especially group of five programs who could possibly make it bigger than what it is. And I think at the end of the day, Jared Banco and company, this is what they want. This is what they're trying to do. And I'm I'm 100% behind them. And if those moves and in, in, in those uh, uh, things that they're putting in place turns into special moments where people that don't know much about uh, football become fans, that's the fans that you want. Those are the fans that you want to come and be a part. They don't necessarily have to be a part of the school. They don't necessarily have to be um, necessarily in the state of Georgia. But you just have to learn. You have to have a winning culture of what you know in, in high expectations and fulfill those expectations. And like case in point, two instances. My wife, she did not like sports at all. She did not care for sports. Like now, her family is really big on sports. You know, what I mean, that she had she has family that has played and coached in the NFL, so they're really big on. Um, they're really big on sports. I took my wife to a Hawks game. This was back in 2014. I think it was 2014. And um, she fell in love with the game because the experience. She 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 fell in love with the team. She fell in love with the experience. She became a basketball fan. So she likes the Hawks. I like the Chicago Bulls. You know that. You know that's just the way it is. I, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think I'm. A, I'm, I'm not going to drop my Bulls for anybody. I mean, the Hawks. Hopefully, y'all win one day. But I'm a Bulls fan. But she loves the Atlanta Hawks. We went to, we started going to some Georgia Southern games. Remember the first game I took her to, remember Shaw Wirtz was a freshman. We played Georgia State at Paulson. I think we ended up losing that game like 17-14 or something like that. But that day she became a Shaw Wirtz fan. She became, you know, a Georgia Southern fan. 
We turned right back around and went to the Camellia Bowl. Then, do I need to talk about the Camellia Bowl? We went all the way to Alabama to watch the go to the Camellia Bowl. My wife was eight months pregnant with our son, and she watched Tyler Bass hit that kick that field goal. She's a she's a Tyler Bass fan. She loves Georgia Southern. She watches Tyler Bass in the um in the NFL now. It's it, it it's those type of things that you have to create within your fan base. But it has to start with what happens at home. These guys at George Southern are going to have to win some football games, and they're going to have to do it in a fashion where it may it means something to the person who's watching. That's how you create fans. So hopefully that will be the case. I can't wait to see how that plays out. <coughs> excuse me. Mm, excuse me. Um, I don't have much more to say about that. I just want to leave it there because I feel that at the end of the day, you have to find a way to weed out the problems within a fan base. You know, you, you just can't be, you, you can't go at them. I mean, the, the, you know, Twitter timeline is going to be crazy. You know, all that stuff is going to be what it is. You know, you have to understand people are going to be fans of teams. That's just how it's going to be. You know, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and say I'm not happy for the Bulldogs. I mean, of course I am. You know, that's a, that's a team in Georgia that won. I mean, but and I don't have nothing against the team per se, but I, I just don't root for them anymore because I, I just I, I can't deal with the fan base because when you have a fan base, you have some people in this fan. And I know it's, it, it may be a minority. And most of them on Twitter. But you have a lot of people in the fan base find out that you like Georgia Southern as well, or you are a Georgia Southern alum. They quick to chastise you for it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go uh, all in on my my team, which is these Eagles, and just keep it moving. You know, I, I'm just not going to deal with this. So we just have to, it, it, whatever our fan base is going to be, you know, we just have to continue to put a good product on the field. I don't care what anybody says. You put a good product on the field. If you go out there, you end up being in the top 25. You end up beating some of these um, power five schools like we should have or should have been doing. People are going to respect the team and people are going to watch the team. People will support the team. Winning fixes all of this. So that that's just how I'm going to leave it at that. So um, we'll see how things go within the coming months when the season starts. And, um, we got Ball State on deck. We also have UAB. We got Nebraska. Man, we beat Nebraska. You know, that's going to be a, a different tune around here. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the next topic. But before I do, and if you like this information, if you like this content, hit the like button. If you're on YouTube, share this video. Let people know what I'm doing. If you're on the podcast side of things, go over there and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know what I'm doing over here as well. Share it and give me a five-star rating. Let's get into these Falcons really quick before I close because, you know, I like to do these uh, shows between 20 and 30 minutes. Let's talk about these Falcons real quick. Terry Fontenot said at um, the exit press conference uh, yesterday that they're looking into taking the best player available throughout the draft. Um, I don't have a problem with this. Um, I would like for them to get some needs, but they also said they're probably going to try to get more of the needs throughout the uh, free agency side of things, which is very interesting when when you look at that. So the needs are going to be for veterans or people who are out there that's actually, you know, 
are capable of doing very well at the position. So you can get them at a pretty good price and you have that position uh, fulfilled with experience. And I guess you get the best player available because you get the best player available to come in and they will be able to um, learn how to be a good professional. I don't have a problem with this. Um, there's also been saying that there's probably, uh, just for an example, I'm getting this out to falcoholic.com. Shout out to the falcoholic.com. Uh, just as a, you know, um, I'll just say as a, let's say a reference or whatever case may be. If I know a company believe that the best player on the board is a number at number eight is wide receiver is far better than a pass rusher that you, um, that is ranked lower. They're going to lightly pick that receiver without hesitation, which which makes sense in, 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 in that logic, because you want to get the best player available out there. Let's say, for instance, uh, let's flip it around. Let's say Aiden Hutchinson. I think it's Aiden Hutchinson. So let's say if Hutchinson was not uh, was available, but there's another receiver that's probably rated higher. Will you take Hutchinson or will you take the receiver? They're probably going to take the best player available. Now, do I agree with that? Looking at a receiver situation, probably yes, but see, that's looking at need. But they're looking at best player available because they're looking at a situation where those players are going to be the ones that's going to be around that you can build from. The ones that are needs, they're going to try to plug into as far as free agency. And I think, I don't, I, I will be actually surprised if they do this for the entire draft. You know, like every player is the best player. I think it, it becomes one point where they may just go ahead and get somebody that's a need. Let's say, for instance, um, uh, I'm just thinking, what, what would be a need? Let's say uh, running back will probably be a need. Now, if there's a running back there and the best player available is running back, I mean, it's almost the same thing. Or um, let's say, for instance, if there is um. I don't even know if I want to say quarterback because I think the other two quarterbacks are still going to be around. But you actually got three. You got McCarron, you got uh, Rosen. It, you know, I, I think you kind of understand what I'm saying because when when you're looking at uh, well, but when you're looking at the best player, I I, I just don't see that they'll do it. But they they say that's what they will they will do. They said they'll use free agency to plug holes and try to keep it as affordable as possible. So, um, at the end of the day, I think. What they're doing, I think they're just going to be looking at talent and how much value they can get for the talent. Free agency or draft. Because if you get the best player in the draft, you're going you, you for the most part, you're gonna be not you're not gonna be paying too much money for any other draft picks. Even first rounders, they're 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 fairly cheap nowadays. They're not like how it used to be. But with free agency, let's say for instance, if you can find uh, a linebacker that you can get for two million that that could probably give you high production, you know what I mean. So uh, that's something that Fontenot may be looking at. Now, if you look at his track history when he was um under uh, Mickey Loomis, I think it was Mickey Loomis at, at, in New Orleans. That's what they basically did the entire time. They 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 did a lot of value to where they got players based on value and not necessarily um need. So um that's that's let's look like that's what they're doing here um how how do i feel about it at the end of the day i uh, at the end of the day i i really feel that this is a really good recipe um because throughout the draft if you're getting the best player available there's no there's no problem with because you're getting the best player available 
Um, you, you can't go wrong with that if you're truly getting the best player available. Now, the, the flip side of that, there's a lot of hit and miss on free agency. If you're going to do this to basically plug holes, you have to really be careful because you don't want to get guys here that may not pan out very well. Um, for instance, we kind of seen that with, um, I think it was with Fabian Monroe. Uh, I like Fabian Monroe, but he had too many issues, uh, on playing, uh, corner. Um, I think Harmon did okay. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Eric Harris. Yeah. I think that was a miss on that one too. So you gotta be really careful. Um, who's going to replace Deion Jones if he's not going to be here? You know what I mean? What kind of pass rush are you going to get? Is the pass rusher that you're going to get, is he going to be the best player in the second round or the first round? Me personally, I've already said, I think they should go off as a line in the first round, but I don't know how that's going to play out. Hey, we got two first round picks. Plus we may be getting rid of Calvin Ridley. So we may have a way to get back into the first round. You just never know how this is going to play out. But with that being said, I feel like we should still go offensive line first. Then we should go with, um, oh, what's the other, uh, uh, edge rush or cornerback and then go wide receiver. Because I, I don't think there's too many wide receivers out there that's going to be going like first round like. Um, I think the situation with Mechie and Jameson, I don't know if they're going pro or whatever, but if they are, I think it kind of messed up their, uh, the, the ACL injury kind of messed up the draft stock. They're probably going back a little bit that's if they're coming out, but, um, whatever the case may be, um, you could probably get one of them in the third round or the late second or whatever the case may be. You just never know, but we do need a receiver. We need a couple of them actually. And, uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I think we need, we definitely need some protection up front. That, there's no doubt about that. We need protection up front. We also need some a pass rush. So um, I think Dante Fowler is so hit and miss. I mean, there was one time he was getting, I think he had like four, like three or four strip sacks this season. But there's other times he just was disappeared. Don't know where he is. So I feel like offensive line, edge rush, cornerback, wide receiver. Not uh, not necessarily in that order, but I personally think that offensive line should be first because the offensive line was terrible. Oh my god, it was terrible. But they may go defense. If they go defense, that's cool. And uh, hopefully, we'll address the offensive line uh, situation down the road. Or they may use free agency to use it because they just said that here as well. So we'll see how that goes. Well, that's pretty much it for me on this episode. Hopefully, you guys understood where I, uh, where I was coming from. As far as this fan base situation goes, hey, look, don't let it, don't let it get you down. The main thing is we have to be the fan base to stand tall and stand strong no matter what. We just went through a three and nine season. And with that being said, we don't want to see that again, but we gotta, we gotta continue to push and root for not only our players, but the coaches as well for them to do the best they can. Cause trust me, there's been a study out there that said they, they, they look at Twitter. They look at us. Some, some, some guys recruited. Uh, that was recruited committed because of Twitter, you know? So every time I see somebody that's coming through, that's coming to visit Statesboro or, or, or received the offer, I'm sitting there trying to send them a message, letting them know that they're supported this fan base myself. I'm going to be out here on these, on these podcasts talking about them. You guys, if you want to come to this school and actually perform and play at the highest level possible, why not? Why, why wouldn't I support that? Cause I want to see this team put up some sunbelt trophies. I want to see them get some bowl wins. I, I, I want to see us to win at the minimum eight games. Minimum. Now I've been saying that eight games minimum. So um, if you're, if you're here and you want to do that, 
I'm going to do whatever I can to support everybody that is, that is that's involved with these players, whether it goes to the the parents, the the siblings, the player himself, anybody that's in this circle. You know, you guys give these kids support because um, they, they they want it. They want it. They're not here just because they they want to play ball and they're playing for a traditional school. And that, that, that right there, it means a lot. And, and, you know, for a local guy like me, I want to see, you know, see us all be successful as a fan base and as, and as a, a, a team and a school and a program. Oh, uh, as far as the Falcons, hey man, just another day in the office. The exit, um, uh, the exit interview was there, uh, press conference. I mean, um, it's time to get back to work. I mean, you know, they're on the clock. They're number eight. They're going to be picking at number eight. Uh, and, and between now and then, we're going to look at free agency. We're going to be looking at all this other stuff and see how that plays out. In the meantime, we're going to be talking about these playoffs as well because the playoffs are going to be pretty interesting. It's the last little bit of football we got left. All right, y'all. Well, that we got left until the spring. All right, y'all. I will see y'all on the next one. Y'all be blessed. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your morning. And I will see you guys tomorrow. All right, y'all. Y'all take it easy. Y'all be blessed. Peace.